What is up, Hobbs, Gobs, and all you Lins? Oh. We are here with Off the Page, and with, I am not Paige. With Paige. I am Paige. Hello. Who are you? Mary Beth. Okay. Hi, Mary Beth. Hi, Paige. How's it going? You know, it is going a 10 out of at least nine. Wow. That's pretty high. I mean, we're hitting that like summer stride. So, you know, what can I say? Yeah, it feels good. How are you? Um, sleepy. Yeah. I was up a lot last night. Tossing and turning? No, just um, it just took me a while to go to bed because guess what? Traveling in the summer is stressful because everybody else is also traveling in the summer. And people at the airport have no, I want to say bodily autonomy, but that's, well, it's not wrong but that's also not what i was going for they just have no body like space or awareness it's like hanging out with delilah on crack just like constant touching constant shoving um constant separation my sister and i walk traditionally at the same speed and i just felt like people were just like getting in the middle and that frustrates me all of your business yeah i don't like it yeah that is very rude have some body awareness uh, especially in these COVID times. Yeah, so if you're traveling this summer, just, I don't know, keep yourself safe. Bring your hand sanitizer. Don't touch other people. Just, Look out for yourself. Just ask if you can ride wherever you're going on the wing of the plane, so that way you won't be <laughs> exposed to any uh, Maybe germs. you'd even get to eat your chips, per ch- perchance. Yeah, exactly. Just... Because the guy to... sitting next to me on the plane yesterday took his mask off to eat his chips at the exact same time we took our masks off to eat, and I was irritated. Ugh, have some mask awareness. Truly. And then, of course, I don't know, Hopgoblins, if you, like, when you fly, if you read or if you watch stuff. My sister is a true watcher. Like, she reads so much, even more than I do, probably. But oh, she, like I'm, like, a reader film? on the plane. Yeah, and she likes to watch things. So she'll, like, get the, like, um internet on the plane and she she will watch everything um we watched two terrible movies on the way there and maybe she can come back and talk about them because we both were just like what even is this what is happening <laughs> and you're trapped you can't even like yeah. run to the kitchen for snacks. we just kept looking at each other just looking at each other and just shaking our heads and being like do we want to keep going with this at least that's what my interpretation but we didn't actually say anything so right. she could very she's a completionist so i always just tend to finish movies even if they're bad even though i'll just like walk away from it and by that she means she'll fall asleep yeah that is typically <laughs> what happens so uh, i hope you are all well hobgoblins and that your summer is going well and that you're not traveling no oh. i actually hope you are traveling because traveling is wonderful, but I just hope that it's a nice traveling. And I say that from my vast space of privilege. Like, the flight was fine. We right. were safe. Were most people still wearing masks? No. Yeah, I, I saw On the way they... there, there was like five of us wearing masks on the entire plane, and it was completely booked. And on the way back, it was completely booked again. So it was not a masquerade. No, I really wish it had been. Oh, I probably would have re- felt better. That reminds me, um, at the beginning of the pandemic... Uh, there was a lot of ambiguity about what it meant to be masked. And I just remember seeing pictures of people wearing like Zorro style masks because they were trying to wear a mask, but it wasn't clear. Not the same mask. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, be careful. That's be care- so weird. 
Uh, yeah, Who I know. that's protecting anything? Well, I think related? it was just a matter of understanding. It's like you have to wear a mask. And I'm sure some people were doing it to be smarty pants. But yeah. Interesting. I know. I was cracking up at some of the photos that I saw. But uh, I wasn't really cracking up uh, as the pandemic got worse and worse. <laughs> and people... No, said, our anxiety really just... Rose. Yeah, and we just cloistered in their house. Yeah, and people were like pr- actually protesting wearing masks. But yeah, here we are. What is still it? going strong? Yeah, still going strong. I I saw something that said that we're back at like a hundred thousand cases a day. So sweet, wonderful. Get anyway. your vaccines. So what are you? What do you have for us on on so, this wonderful Sunday? I'm afternoon? in the middle of two bucks. I'm in the middle of two, but I finished two on my trip. Okay. Okay. But both were audio and I'm going to be quite honest. It was really hard. I have this thing when I read in print, I need to like have time to read it. But if I can listen, I can come back and forth and it's easier for me to get back into the story. Mm. If that makes sense. And I don't know if other readers will or hobgoblins will like agree with me that sometimes it's easier to just if someone else is reading it too, for you to like get back into the story anyway, which is why I finished two books that way and I'm in the middle so I'm in the middle of Emily Henry's book lovers which Mm -hmm. Leah wants to talk about eventually Mm -hmm. and I'm in the middle of that book that I talked about um, in that book haul okay which one uh the uh oh my gosh what's it called something telegraph club oh is that the one one, the gay gay one yeah but it is slow but -hmm. not a bad slow just a slow I mean as some sexual awakenings are (laughs) takes time (laughs) Um, and it's set in a very tense period. And so I just needed something different. Right. I needed something a little lighter just because of what was happening on my trip. I was like, you know what, this will be easier to read. So I just picked it up, but it was like the like second to last day. So anyway, the things I did finish was, um, like a murder mystery book. So I'm going to bring that up, um, because I liked it. I recommended it to my mom Okay. of all people, but she likes audiobooks and I thought that the audiobook was pretty decent. Um, and it is called, by Dorinda Jones. And I've seen this making the rounds on BookTube. So I'm sure it's, you know, some of our hobgoblins might know about it. Yeah. So it's by Dorinda Jones, but it's called A Bad Day for Sunshine. And it's the Sunshine Vikram series. So I guess there's another book. It's waiting in my book queue. So it was nothing I want to write home about in the sense that it was a cozy mystery, but not cozy. So the cozy mystery genre is defined by you typically set it in a small town, right? You typically always have the same characters and there's a lot of humor. Okay. And it's typically revolves around food. All of these food. Yes. Yeah, that's like a trope in a lot of the cozy mysteries. So it's like it's set in a bookstore and they sell like these very yummy scones. And maybe the murderer stole a scone the day he killed so-and-so. You You know, know, somehow it like all tracks. Wow. I don't feel safe in that small town with people out (laughs) there stealing scones. Hopgoblins, the other great like cozy mystery series is, um, I know you've probably heard about it. It's the Inspector Gamache series. And it takes place in this really tiny town in um, Canada. And it is the coziest place, but also the most murderous place, I think. And I don't know how their real estate still goes because people, new people move to this town almost in every book. 
and every time I'm like, y'all gonna get murdered. Listen. Why it, would you move? The statistics there are terrible. It, in this real estate market, I, I gotta say I can understand. I mean, without I guess that's true. <laughs> how expensive I guess that's buying true. a home is right now. Well, it's especially like, in Canada. Eh. I think Canada's always been a terrible real estate market, at least from what I can tell. Yeah, their currency um, is wild and is a little bit Trudeau, you different. need to get on that. You know how you did that thing about gun safety? Now you need to fix your real estate. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, the book was fine. It's set in this New Mexico town, and it follows this woman. <laughs> Her name is Sunshine Vikram, which is the greatest name for any heroin i thought it was funny she has this uh teenage daughter the first day she's back in her hometown her parents basically got her elected as sheriff of this small town and she didn't really even know until her parents were like hey you need to come back home because we got you a job and she's like i didn't even there were debates and stuff what do you mean i got hired for this job and so the whole beginning section of the book is just kind of this like romp and constant underpinning of just like Sunshine's confusion of how she <laughs> landed this position and the whole town being like, I voted for you or I didn't vote for you because I didn't like what you said at such and such debate. And she's like, I wasn't even there. Okay, so. And it's it's funny. Like, How, how did that happen? It's a small town. Her parents have connections. Oh, okay. So, so it's she, very, she was legit. very true to life. Yeah, she was. A like, little nepotism. Yeah, <laughs> she was legit picked and so the first day of her job as sheriff a kid is missing oh and their entire unit uh there's a woman who like crashes her car to report this crime into the police station (laughs) it's amazing anyway as i'm like recalling it this book really is funny it just doesn't it, it follows um, kind of all of these kids who go missing in her town. Is it intentionally funny or ironically? Yes. Okay. No, 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 no. Okay. It is intentionally funny. And I think Dorinda Jones, I don't know what other books she's written or if this is her first one, but she nailed that like kind of um, Finley Donovan-esque humor that I like in a book mm. and a mystery. I've realized my my dad recommends me a lot of these murder mysteries and they're very like Inspector Gamashi in the fact that they are – you know, talking about deeper questions about life, and they have like very pensive characters, oh, which these is are very like much my dad's very cup BBC esque. Mm, yes and no, in that they talk about their feelings. British people don't. Oh, that's notoriously fair. never talk about their feelings. Well, which is why sex education exists and is so revolutionary because yeah. it's like people talking about their feelings. Well, uh, my my lineage is predominantly British, which would that explain a lot. a lot. Repression. Indeed. Um, yeah. So I like these like um, kind of not one-off books, but just books with like stronger female leads who kind of mm. end up in positions where of either of power or of control that they're just kind of like, how the F did this happen? Like- did she have any experiences? Oh, yeah. She's, oh. like, been a cop for a long time in a major city. Oh, okay. So this didn't come out of the blue. It's not like all of a sudden she's, like, the sheriff and doesn't know how to sheriff. Oh, she okay. very much knows how. And and as the book unfolds, you hear more of her backstory, and it's fascinating. And so mm. I'm really excited for them to kind of delve the overarching mi- into the overarching mystery of this woman's life, which... I, I don't want to spoil because it's part of the book. So I don't want to talk about it. Is this a series? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's the first one. And I don't know how many. I don't know if it's going to have like four, but mm. the second one's already out. So does she end up solving the crime or no? 
sort of. Okay. She okay. solves the crime for the one or two kids that go missing, but she doesn't solve the crime for herself. And I think they oh. tie in together. That's what I'm saying is like there's an overarching thing here. Oh, okay. That's yeah. not, that does but sound I don't, interesting. Yeah, I, I can't. Maybe I I'll actually. It. Uh, yeah, they give were that good. One a li- uh, little look or yeah. Listen. So it's a little bit more intense than some of the other like cozy mystery style books, but they're. I mean, what age group would you say that? This oh, book- like adults. It's adult. Oh, it is adult. Yeah, okay. no, 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 no. Children should not read that. It's like people getting kidnapped and stuff. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, why I'm like, it's not just like a cozy. Cozy mysteries are kind of what's that? What's the word I'm looking for? I have sleep nap afternoon brain right where they why would you put those two together because no, there's nothing cozy about murder typically oh, right, mysteries right, are right. murders yeah so like they don't fit do you know what i'm trying to say what is yeah, that word? Yeah, yeah yeah no what is that word that's driving me crazy they're like um antonyms juxtaposed uh i don't know what you're trying to say no it's okay hopefully it'll come to me um okay and then the next book i finished reading was called in the great green room which is a book a biography about Margaret Wise Brown, who was a famous children's author in the 1940s and 50s. She wrote books like Good Night Moon. Oh, a classic. A classic. Um, she worked for different um, publishers, but she worked with the famous editor Ursula Nordstrom. They were like really good friends. And or- Ursula Nordstrom helped bring in Marie Sendak, who wrote Where the Wild Things Are and a bunch of other classics. And she helped, uh, I think she helped edit E.B. White's Charlotte's Web, if I'm remembering correctly. Like she's a powerhouse. And I learned about all of these people and found them interesting in college because they have a level of queerness. If you go back and read a lot of these like real childhood classics, there's like a... A level of of gay? Yes. Because all of these people were queer. Oh, Okay. But they didn't talk about it openly because it was the 40s yeah, and 50s yeah. and that was really frowned upon. Like, um, very But emo- Ursula Nordstrom especially was like a great child, child's editor, children's editor, and she's a powerhouse. And so was Margaret Wise Brown. And they kind of just like folded. They weren't partners or anything, but they fold, you know, in their personal lives, but they were just friends in life. Uh, so it was interesting when she would pop up in the book. I'd be like, oh, ah, I know her. I don't know her, but you know what I'm saying. Hobgoblins. It's always exciting when other people show up in biographies where you're like oh yeah I recognize that name yeah so I read a bunch of stuff about her um because for a really hot minute I really wanted to go into editing especially Mm. for children's literature and um I really would love the idea of being a children's librarian but what's so funny about that time period is the woman who basically was the first children's librarian her name was Anne Marie Carroll I think that's correct she was notoriously anti all a lot of the classics she like she had this stamp that she had in her office at the new york public library she was the woman who like created the first child's reading room and like really helped um garner interest for parents of like what books should you read your child uh and she was a little more obsessed with the idea of like making children good and their behavior was what was important rather than helping cultivate an inner life for a child. So like Margaret Wise Brown's big thing was she worked with children psychologists and these famous educators and she wrote books specifically and like workshopped them with kids on purpose. And so she was part of this whole new like revolutionary style of writing. And the woman at the New York Public Library hated them, like really did not like any of these books because she thought they were capricious and made kids just like wild. 
And they showed this like vulnerability that she just was like, absolutely not. These will not sit on my shelves. So Goodnight Moon famously was not a part of the collection for the, for the New York Public Library for like half a century because this woman was like, absolutely not. That's hilarious. Um, <clears throat> as you're describing her, uh, it, it reminds me um, of my childhood when my mom wouldn't let me watch. <laughs> this is going to be good. I the, can tell. The Power Rangers, because she said that it promoted um, violence and n- huh. no good things. So <clears throat> I think that the Power Rangers and Goodnight Moon are basically the same. One and the same. Yep. To each their own. (laughs) Who hasn't thought that before? I remember. So my parents were, I wouldn't say liberal, but they like let us read. If if we were reading it, they basically let us read whatever we wanted. I think I've said this before on the podcast. And my sister confirmed it. Like I, I grew up in a very religious household, but they weren't totally sheltering. They were like, you need to be in the world, but not of it. So you should be a part of some communities. But, uh, I, remember this phase that I went through like you know Harry Potter was like the big thing when we were growing up I was not allowed to read Harry so Potter I was my dad lo- my dad loves children's literature like he loves to read in general but he loves anything fantastical he loved the Harry Potter books um and would read like <laughs> he would say by the later books it took sometimes my sister and I a little bit too long to read them because we were so busy that he he refused to give it to us until he read it because he's like, I will read this faster than you will. And I want to know what happens before you do it. Plus I bought it. So it's mine. Like he would that just like trump the card. so cute. It was uh, really funny. Um, but I remember I went through this phase where I listened to too much of the like, you know, religious world and be like, oh, I think this is making me want to be a practicing witch <laughs> because I started like taking on a lot of like Hermione's. She could be pretty um, aggressive in her, uh, behavior, not action wise, but just like the way she spoke to people. And I could see it coming out in me and I eat just like who I am now. So I just find it all really funny that I just was like, Oh no, I shouldn't be like that. I should be like a lot more meek and, um, <laughs> much like, uh, the, the women of the Bible, like Esther, (laughs) Ruth, Ruth, just very meek ladies. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But no, I think that that's, that's very interesting. Um, just from a cultural perspective, um, and how that played out with good night moon and this idea of, you know, kids, it's just just like, it's a book made for kids. Like adults aren't intended to enjoy it. And, and Margaret Wise Brown's big thing was, she was working so hard and she had this like childlike wonder even about the world right before she died that was so, I, I don't know any other word to say, but pure. Like she mm. just thought the world was full and animals and things and everything was full of beauty and goodness. And um, she was an Enneagram four. Probably. Nice. Probably. Yeah. She, she just thought that the world was exciting too. Yeah. She wanted it full of adventure and she, you know, like it really shows in a lot of her books. And and, and what, yeah. what, what, uh, you said that this was like the 1950s era, 40s and 50s, 40s yeah. and 50s. Yeah. That's what, what a revolutionary concept because just like in a, uh, yeah, from a I mean, cultural perspective, we're talking about, they didn't want adults to talk about their feelings, yeah. which is why we had so many issues post World War II. Kids should be seen and not heard. Right. 
So yeah. So a lot of publishing houses, I mean, just made gops and gops of money from these writers because I mean, she would turn churn out like some of her contracts had had them churning out had her churning out like six books a year, which if you're actually writing a decent book with like good illustrations, that is crazy to me. Yeah. I, you know, and if you have like more than one author on a contract like that, I can't imagine what their editing pool looked like, you know, like I just think about it from the business side. I'm like, wow, that is really crazy. But she lived almost in like poverty for a lot of her life because she she was a woman. Yeah. We don't respect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Equal pay and all that. Yeah. Uh, But she also was just not like super business savvy. Yeah. But yeah, that is really interesting. And it's, you know, it's kind of not funny, but also I, I have so much respect for people who can write stuff so quickly and turn out stuff so quickly. Yeah. And it has like, like an actual message. Yeah. Yeah. I like mean, so many of her books did. It's so interesting. I've been trying to write my dissertation and I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely following more of the George R. R. Martin style <laughs> of writing than, uh, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. You do. Yeah. You. I'm not, I'm not like a Stephen, Stephen King or, uh, there's something to be said about the like discipline, but the way that this author wrote the biography, it made it seem like she was just, a, it came from somewhere else, not her if that makes sense. Like she would do all of these really hackamamey things to like get ideas. So she's like like slept overnight in a barn to figure out what a horse's night was like. She would like ride trains in random parts of the country to understand like what a cargo car was like. Like she did a lot of really funny things that really filled her sense of adventure, but she also did it with a purpose to be like, how must a child feel when they see an ant crawl on them for the first time or how must a child feel when they finally understand a thundercloud brings rain, like things like that, where they're thinking so deeply from a child's perspective that there's something really exciting. Like I, that's why I like reading children's books even now. And I think that's why a lot of grownups have like been gravitating to like YA books for the last, you know, some odd years. But I was a nanny for so long. I read so many of these books so Mm. many times. Um, And even now, like I read, um, books to fifth graders that, you know, would be considered baby books, but the kids love it. There's just something like not iconic, but just something that everybody can relate to when you're talking about the little engine that could, you know, like it's the true growth mindset of the world is your oyster. Now go play in it. Like it, it's really sweet. And she also lived like a very, um, she never officially married, but she had so many of these like random partners and people in her life where she just kind of cultivated this community around her that I think is really special. And she had, you know, two really important, three really important um, relation, romantic relationships, uh, one with a woman, one with a, and two with different men. And then she died kind of quickly and tragically. And so that was really sad. Mm. When the book ended, I was like, oh no. Um, how old was she when she started writing? I mean, she was a kid. She was not oh, professionally, wow. but like she would write for her sister. And oh, she cute. grew up in a very like Vanderbilt Astor circle. Like she, oh, so the she Wise Browns. Yeah, she came from money. Like her dad helped her the rest of her life. Mm. Like, um, and her sister was pretty well off. They went to really fancy boarding schools and they, you know, rode horses professionally. You know, they had all the rich people. Horse trappings. Girls horse girls (laughs) hashtag horse girls for life but that didn't diminish the fact that she worked really hard oh absolutely and what a 
what an interesting way to to think about uh children's writing um because mm-hmm. obviously we all experienced things for a first time we mm-hmm. all thought about things for the first time yeah um and then they become so commonplace or routine uh but to get back to that central question or experience of of what must it be like to, you know, see the world yeah. as a magical place. I mean, and this is probably why I will never, ever stop working with kids because there is something mm, magical that just transfers to you where when kids, especially like teenagers, they get a really bad rap. But I just hung out with my teenage cousins and part of me is just aches when they ache because like mm. I remember those feelings of being like, this is the biggest thing that's ever happened to me or this it is... Does. Because it literally is the biggest thing that's yeah. ever happened to them. And they don't have any context outside of their own life. Um, yeah. And that's why I also think like, you know, playing music or doing theater or reading a lot or having an actual like artistic hobby, like a lot of the kids that I tend to, you know, connect with in my real life are very artsy because there's just something magical about the way your brain works when you can think of it in a, in an artistic medium. There's something um, like you get to a kernel of truth that's hard for grownups who are just like busy with their everyday, mm. you know, and that, and, and that is something that was brought up in this biography a lot was just her intense need to like find meaning and purpose mm. and help other people find meaning and purpose. And I liked that her, she started a lot of her work by essentially being a teacher. Like she was around kids a lot and she was a great auntie and she she never had kids of her own, but she did through all of her relationships because all of her friends, you know, mm-hmm. had kids. And there was something really poignant and sweet about that, that, you know, to be a, a person of that time and live kind of outside of the traditional mm-hmm. norms, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's not to say her life was like, oh, rosy and beautiful all the time because I know she had. And the biography is very frank about like her mental health struggles and mm-hmm. things like that. So I know that that was an issue, but yeah, that's just like a natural draw that I have as an Enneagram for <laughs> to like connect with the inherent truth of incompleteness about how everyone is just a puzzle, like missing something, you know, like, but I just, I like living in that world. I think if I, if Hobgoblins, if you, this is such a niche interest, but if you read books about children's authors, let me know because I want some more recommendations because I found that book fascinating and I really enjoyed it. Uh, um, what about the guy who wrote Winnie the Pooh? A.A. A. Milne? Yeah. Have you? Did you read? Oh, I've read a bunch of stuff about him. There's a great children's book. I should look that up about him creating Winnie the Pooh. So basically he bought this bear. It was during World War One, I, I believe. And he bought this bear for his son, Christopher Robin. Get it? Christopher Robin. So wow, he basically what you did there. <laughs> set his child as the main character, one of the main characters in the story of the Hundred Acre Wood. And uh, this teddy bear was like his child's favorite toy. And so it also sparked this like revolution of like buying like stuffies for kids. That was like a big thing. Oh, okay. Um, I love I love Winnie the Pooh. My dad read those books to us. My mom did too. But I I remember my dad reading to us a lot. I wasn't allowed uh, to watch Winnie the Pooh because Piglet was uh, too sassy. I'm just kidding. Oh, my I gosh. <laughs> I was like, I might need to talk to your mom. <laughs> that one I was allowed to watch. Did you read the books, though? 
I don't remember reading those. Oh. Um, probably the books that I have the the strongest memories of being read to as a child were um, the Lord of the Rings series mm-hmm. and those got too scary. We didn't finish those, and we didn't finish Chronicles of Narnia as a group either. We and we read Chronicles of Narnia. Or, yeah. yeah, my mom read those too. We were maybe a little bit older. Yeah, when we I was did a pretty sensitive Rings. little kid. Like I couldn't. Like the little engine that could was enough tension for me <laughs> uh, from ages like two to, I don't know, 10, I want to uh, say. Like I, I really was, I would cry at everything. I was just overly sensitive. We also um, read a lot of like Bible stories yeah, we did and too. stuff like that. And um, the missionary, maybe that was the other thing that I didn't like. My mom read me a bunch of like missionary books where all of them die in a uh, foreign country. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like in really horrific ways, <laughs> like. And then they were slaughtered. And then they were all but for the killed. Lord, so it's fine. It's fine, and they're martyrs. Oh man, praise be. <laughs> yeah, that, that book does sound. Really Did your mom read you Doctor Seuss? Yeah, I think uh, I remember one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. My favorite Doctor Seuss is uh, that that one that's like the classic graduation gift, you know. There are places oh, yeah. you'll go. Yeah. And there's my favorite part is at the beginning when he's like, you have brains in your head and feet in your shoes. You can choose any which way you or you can walk any which way you ever did choose or something. You know, Dr. Seuss would be an interesting biography read. I know there's multiple out there. Yeah. Uh, if anyone has any recommendations on the best one, leave a comment. <laughs> I needed to get at least one in there. Yeah, um, we didn't. Yeah. I was just thinking we listened to a lot of audiobooks growing up. Yeah, we did. Too. I was always um, much Adventures better. Adventures in Odyssey. Yeah. Adventures in Odyssey. We would go to the library. Mm-hmm. Um, both of my older siblings read a lot growing up. I struggled to learn how to read. Yeah. I think I may have talked about mm-hmm. this before, but I really have always been an avid listener. And so I remember I remember listening to um like Treasure Island. Oh yeah. Yeah. Treasure Island, that was a good one. I didn't listen to that or read it until I was an adult and I was teaching. And boy, is that book like so good. It's very good. That was actually my dad's favorite book growing oh. up. Um, Did he read Robinson Crusoe? Because that's like the other one that everybody says is so good. That's a classic. I'm trying to think. I always think about the the OG, like barely color Robinson Crusoe movie. Oh, yeah. Or we watched Family Robinson. Yeah, we watched those a lot. I get those mixed in my brain a lot. Very, yeah, uh, similar. <laughs> it's like the wilds and yellow jackets <laughs> of, of our day. Surely. But yeah, and then we would get the um, Adventures in Odyssey, and we'd all have our little Walkmans and walk around listening. <laughs> I remember uh, we That's would awesome. get a new, like, they would come in those binder things that would open, and then you'd have the six tapes in yes, them. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, every year we went to uh, Florida on vacation, and it was like a 10-hour drive. Um, That's far. Yeah, with a bunch of kids, but... Your parents were saints. They would bribe us with um, (laughs) the new Adventures in Odyssey cassettes. Nice. Your mom's like stockpiling them over the entire year. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, as I got older, I got looped into listening to a lot of sports talk radio (laughs) with my older brother, Jim Rome. Oh, man. I hated sports radio. I remember my dad used to like every summer take us to baseball games. And he, um, like, inevitably, we couldn't stay for the whole game because either we were being too naughty or my mom got bored or, you know, like, 
we just never stayed because it got too late or whatever. And on our way home, my dad would always turn on the sports radio. And that was the only time he was allowed to listen to sports radio is if we didn't get to watch the whole baseball game. That's hilarious. So when we first started dating and you would like come to me, come with me to events and it happened typically around baseball games or basketball games or whatever. Yeah. And you would listen to it on the phone. Part of me was like, oh. Reminds you. Oh, yeah. How comforting to listen to the sounds of men talking about sportsing hey, there's some, when it's dark outside and you're driving. There are some uh, female sportscasters who are pretty badass. Uh, Doris Burke, the OG. Oh, yeah. Wait, who's the lady who does the tennis? Oh, um, I like Billy her. Joe Armstrong. Yeah, maybe that's who it is. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a really big tennis fan. I'm not either. Um, I just liked that movie Wimbledon with Kirsten Dunst, so I've seen it a lot, and she's in it. Um, That's a very... Yeah. <laughs> Paul Bettany and Kirsten Dunst. Great choice. Yeah, but it's funny you mentioned that thing about going to baseball games. As a child, we had... Thank you, Diego. Diego. Um, we, the only quote unquote professional sports team we had in Memphis growing up was a, I think it was triple a, um, baseball team, the Memphis chicks or no, it wasn't even triple a, it may have been like two a, and we would go to this little drive through burger stand, um, called, I think central park. And they had the best like spicy fries (gasps) And we never oh, ate out. Like that would have been a, such a treat for you guys. Like yeah, like when I say that I had never tried even payway until I was like a junior in college or I something. You. I believe like, you. Our idea of eating out was we would go to Wendy's and we could pick two things off the dollar menu. No customizations allowed. So I picked many mini tomatoes off my burgers oh but yeah my wow d- look how far you've come i know started from the bottom now you're here started from the bottom now all of the restaurant apps are on my phone are <laughs> yeah here. that is uh you are the couponing queen yeah i was joking with um the physical therapist i see um for my neck i know hashtag old age um <laughs> previous injuries yeah sportsing uh, It'll yeah, be the death of us all. Oh, it kind of loops back around uh, because my parents couldn't uh, afford health insurance <laughs> growing up. Uh, we would get injured and uh, not get never go out of. And now that I'm in my 30s, I get to be like, oh, what did wow. I? What, what is did this? I tear when I was like 12 years old and never chronic issues? Anyway, we were talking about food. We always talk about like food and Costco and I was telling <laughs> you are such a Costco apologist. I know. I know. I love it. Uh, some of their policies, maybe not, but um, yes, it's like my happy place. But we were chatting. We always end up chatting about like what we're going to eat that night on Fridays. And I was telling him that to really try that cauliflower crust pizza. It is bomb. If you Very good. Hobgoblins, it's great. The Costco and, cauliflower crust pizza. Yeah. And uh, he was like, I want to tell you what I ate for breakfast this morning, but I'm scared you're going to judge me. And I was like, just tell me. I can guarantee I've I've done the same or, or worse. And he's like, I had three of those individually wrapped bags of chips. <laughs> And he's like a very fit guy. Like, I think he played college football. Wow. But he was like, once I start, I just can't stop. And then it's like, I'll just have one more. And I was, but I was telling him that we had like 40 Pop Tarts in our (laughs) pantry. 
Paige was out of town last week, so I was giving myself kudos for not eating them all. I'm so impressed. I know. I opened the cabinet last night and was like, <gasps> I knew if I started, it was like a gateway drug. Yeah. And I, I was I'm like, I'm sorry I left you. I will enabling, eat. I'm enabling your behaviors. Yeah, I will. I will eat every single one of those little tarts. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking tart eater. <laughs> um, but yeah, then we we were just talking about food, and I was like, basically every morning I wake up and I have like 30 text messages, and I'll be like, wow, I'm so popular, and it's like. Chipotle, Sonic, <laughs> McDonald's, McDonald's. Uh, Starbucks, all the bays are coming I know. through. Any anytime I'm using uh, Mary Beth's computer, texts pop up because she has the Apple thing, and every single time it's like a sale. So yeah. it's like Old Navy has pants on sale. I know Express, you can get this top. I oh, know. it's so funny. And every time I'm like, oh, thank God she's. I'm on top of the coupon game. Apparently. Um, yeah, I, cause I'm frugal, but I don't use coupons. I find them frustrating. That's I think fair. that's probably why everything always has like a time limit. And I'm, I agonize about, I was just telling my family cause when I went on my trip, I was telling them like, I wouldn't consider myself a overspender. Mm. I mean, I buy a lot of books, but they get passed around to like 20 different people before they go to Goodwill. So I feel like it's worth it in a, right. in a way. Like, and that's your, like your, your, happy it's like, thing. you know, yeah. It's like that time when I was trying to pay off a bunch of debt and I tried to sell my iPad and you were like, oh baby, no, I was I like, just a hundred other dollars. I was going through the house trying to like figure out what else I could sell. I know. She's like, <laughs> but you were like, but I agonize about every purchase. So I'll literally stand there in Costco and be like, should I buy this book about doctors from the middle ages? And it's twelve ninety nine, And you're like, baby, put it in the goddamn court. Just put it in the fucking court. Yeah, exactly. Like. We never know when we're going to need that knowledge, so. <laughs> uh, no, more just like there's just no reason to agonize about every every little thing. Yeah. You know, like there there needs to be some things you just, you know, you see it, you buy it. Because otherwise I'll just okay. walk away and think about it and be like, oh, and then I'll go back and hope that it's there and it's not there because it's Costco. Right. Oh, the worst. So, you know, which I know they do that so that I'll buy it. Like I understand right. the game. Uh, they got me addicted to this specific brand of oatmeal, oatmeal. Coach's Oats. Ugh, and and ap- apparently there is an oat shortage. Yes. So I had to cu- special order. <laughs> custom oats. <laughs> yeah, these custom <laughs> oats. Like Ridiculous. I'm, But I eat oatmeal for breakfast at every, every single morning. I know. I have never been able to eat the same thing every morning if it i eat breakfast yeah but if it's not oatmeal i'm gonna start in on those pop tarts and then they're all gonna be like gone see this morning i was craving something so savory and the pop tarts just did not cut it so i opened and ate half of one and was like this isn't this isn't what i actually it's not want the one i was like I so then i just that. waited and waited and waited for my chipotle and then i got it so yeah uh hashtag blessed Speaking of Chipotle, uh, for they're pri- sponsoring this episode. Yeah, I wish. Oh my gosh, <laughs> wouldn't like, that be the dream? Like, uh, in lieu of payment, just give me burrito <laughs> cu- coupons. Um, but I saw when I ordered today, they are um, taking donations for the Trevor Project oh, in honor for Pride Month. That's awesome. Yeah, which rock um, on. Yeah, go eat some some Chipotle, and that goes back to Margaret Weiss Brown and. 
Ursula Nordstrom, who were both queer authors Absolutely. and people in the book world. Um, see you guys? Gays. They're just like us. They love Chipotle and that burrito bowl. I do think, here's the thing that I think about, actually. Famous people who've already passed, would they like the food we eat? Because I think about, mm. I've like studied, you know, Betty Crocker and I say studied. It's not like I was like in a college level course. <laughs> Looking at cookbooks from the 50s, but some of that food is nasty. On this day, she figured out the perfect ratio for her buttercream frosting. No, they they ate like a lot of jello. And I have a strict aversion to jello. Like we cannot have it in this house. I don't think I knew that. Oh, it's so gross. It moves on its own. I don't (laughs) trust it. Why would you put that in your body? Just like fungus. Like I, I... don't like understand mushrooms but i'll eat them now because you put them on steak and you slather them in butter yeah and that's like it's a the only proper way for me to eat them but i yeah it's just a confusing thing like why would you put fungus in your body i don't know you know now that you have equated jello to fungus um, <laughs> i and maybe off the jello train i'm just kidding i don't really eat a ton of jello Speaking of, I just had this weird recovered memory about Jell-O. Ew, um, I, I can already tell I'm not going to like this story. I don't think you are. But because I am, I well, I was born in the late 80s, but I'm basically a child of the 90s because that's, Correct. you know, when all my memories are from. Because I'm a child of the 90s, I remember the Atkins diet craze. Oh, same. So many hot dogs wrapped in bacon. <laughs> Just like blocks and blocks of cheese. Um, but the the one thing that I remember we always had in our house, and it's just so random, is we would get jello and melt cream cheese in it. <laughs> jello cream cheese. Uh, it actually was like... No. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely not. That's actually nothing I want to think about. I don't want to think that those have past your lips and entered your system and are still part of your genetics. I, Oh my gosh. She's that like, is I so would, revolting. I would rather think about all of your exes <laughs> and all of the jello dishes that you and any sort life. of jello shots you did. Yeah. Oh, I'm always fun at parties cause I, I am, won't touch a jello shot. Even when I was drinking, I am a real jello shot hoe. Like I Ugh. went through this phase in This does not surprise me. Late <laughs> you seem quite reckless. <laughs> oh my gosh. I would make jello shots because I anytime there was a party, it was like Yeah, you need oh. jello shots. Yeah, but then I'd make like a hundred jello shots and I'd try to continuously hand them out. And if people they weren't gone in like the first ten minutes, I literally would drink twenty plus jello shots. How did you not get al- alcohol poisoning? That's insane. Uh, 20 plus yeah yeah it was that's amazing it's amazing what bodies can do i know like i just yeah now we're so old we just sit around and complain about irritable bowels and (laughs) (laughs) your aching body i know we're just so much fun at parties you guys you guys you gotta invite us yeah invite (laughs) us out please (laughs) we'll just critique uh your jello shot usage and um I will not show up to any party from now on that doesn't have a cream cheese lace. Uh, uh, <laughs> Please leave a comment. Like, seriously. That is leave the grossest a, leave thing. Leave a comment or like DM us on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, 
whatever if you know what i'm talking about that's so because i'm like is this just one of those weird things that we did as kids and they just never made any sense to me no that also i mean you could make like jello salad which was oh that's gross it's the same thing though that's the same amount of ingredients if i remembering correctly i remember i got tricked when i was like 14 or 15 it was i think the rehearsal or like a wedding shower for my older sister and she wanted to go to tea and i'm like there is no part of me that wants to go to a tea house (laughs) but i'm gonna do this because it's the right thing to do so they only had like two options for lunch It was tuna salad and chicken salad. Oh, poor baby. Well, because the extent of my fine dining was Wendy's, (laughs) I thought chicken salad was an actual salad. I And it rolled up with grapes, didn't it? I don't know what all was in that. I almost vomited just looking at it. I can still taste the mayonnaise. Like, Is it mayonnaise that you don't like? No, I like mayonnaise. I just, I didn't know everything that was in it. I think there were some stray uh, pieces of fruit in it. Which yeah, is baby, they absolute... make chicken salad with fruit. I've had it without. You can have it without, but the most traditional tea house would make it with grapes. They would uh, cut up grapes. I didn't eat it. I like couldn't. It was like. That's so funny. It was like a pumpkin soup situation. <laughs> I went to uh, my other sister. Call out to Faith. <laughs> No, that was me. Oh, yeah. When y'all tricked me <laughs> and made pumpkin mac and cheese. I do not fuck with pumpkin. I don't. Uh, I went to Australia when I was like six or how old was I? I don't know. In my early 20s to visit my sister and Australians are obsessed with pumpkin. And <laughs> we went to my brother-in-law's parents' house oh. and they had pumpkin soup. Poor baby. And it had strings in it. It was like texturally everything I cannot do. And the thing about, you know how they say if you like ever want to pretend like you're eating, uh, you just, just move, move your, it around yeah. on the plate. Not with soup. You can't do that with soup. No. And my nephew, who was five at the time, also didn't like it. Oh, no. And so my older sister ate his. And I'm looking at her like, it help is, me. It is save me it is acceptable for a five-year-old not to eat something it was not acceptable for me and then the host was like oh did you not like your your pumpkin soup and i was like oh i don't know and i'm like i still oh my gosh i still okay and i still have beef over this but yes i can't i can't do i can understand that because it's textured i don't know i guess i'm not I'm not a super picky eater. No, you're not. But I'm also very basic. Like the food we eat is, it's like tacos and um, you don't like avocado. So tacos are sans like guacamole. And yeah, you just have a lot of things. And I understand it. And and I felt so badly after Faith and I got you to eat the pumpkin mac and cheese that I never again will force you to do it. Because like, I, I don't understand it. So I just have to be empathetic. You know? I have a very weird like you have a very strange thing. texture palette yeah, issue. I, I it's been that way since I was little. I just like can't. And you do you any also have a fruit. very sensitive like smell. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like I so can't like clean out you the have fridge. an easy gag reflex. You can't clean out the fridge. Good thing I'm not straight. <laughs> this is truly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't say I'm like the pickiest eater. Like I'll eat a no, lot I'm of different. No, I'm way pickier people than you. But yeah, like I'm you not. Try a lot of different. Yeah, things, I'll eat. Like there, there are just hills you will absolutely die on, or that I like will pick out of my food. Yeah, like which I mean, like I kind of have that too, because like sometimes I'm in the mood to do that, and sometimes I'm not. Like fruit, there is no. Oh my gosh, I was at this. Oh, but I, I have this, this party in grad school that I was hosting, and this girl brought this like like fruit salad. It was like strawberries and blueberries, and all of this and she was like i think you know it was the first party she'd been to i think she was like feeling a little self-conscious um i was single at the time and she was like pretty cute and so she walks up to me and she's like wanting me to try this like fruit dish and i didn't recognize what it was until she handed me oh no until she handed me a spoonful of it and i put it in my mouth and i was like instantly sober there were not enough jello shots in the world for me not to feel every slimy bit of that. What day. kind of jello shots do you make now that I'm thinking about it? You like the taste of like cherry jello? Eh, yeah. I mean You can handle that? Yeah. See, that's so weird to me that you have such a texture thing and you can eat like jello. It's yeah. not disconcerting to you. It's not natural. Well like your sh- your food should not move like that. <laughs> This is the hill Paige will always die on. Hold on. I don't understand. Well, hold on. I'll circle back to that. So anyway, I took a bite of this this dish and I was like trying. I was like, just swallow it. Just swallow it. Just swallow it. She's standing there like looking expectantly. She was like, do you not like it? I was like, no, it's great. And I like held it in my mouth and instantly went to the bathroom and spit it out. And I think she knew. Oh, and I felt so you should have just been honest. and Like, I just don't like fruit. Well, I I don't know. Baby, I, you're so weird. I am. And these are the decisions that I make when I'm drunk. And I'm like, honestly, I understand. Well, there's like levels because when I'm just tipsy, it's like, oh, you know, whatever. But when I'm drunk, I'd be I'm like, just a, what's the a sad drunk? So yeah, I'm yeah. It's very evidenced by many events in my life that it's a good thing I don't drink anymore. But anyway, yeah, no, I, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no. Oh, but what I was going to say is I don't really understand the fruit thing either because I think it's the taste for you. I will drink. You can drink fruit flavored things. Well, I can drink orange juice. I'll drink apple juice. I'll eat. That's funny because I can't eat. I can't drink apple juice. Did you know this story? One time when I was five, my brother drank a bunch of apple juice and we got in the car and he threw it all up because oh, he was so sick and I can't even smell apple juice like when I was a nanny and I had to pour it for kids I'd be like oh my gosh. Uh, uh, uh. yeah uh, I'm, yeah so that it is- ruined it for Leah and I like Leah can't do that either rude as hell <laughs> way to go Brock but then I've also thrown up so many things there's been many times where also my brother is one of the funniest people that I know and he made me shoot things out of my mouth. Like maybe the reason I don't like oatmeal is because one time I was eating it and he made me laugh so hard it shot out of my oh nose. Oh my gosh. It's funny you bring that up because my coworker and I were talking about the worst things to have in your mouth when you sneeze. The worst <laughs> foods. I ha- I was eating a That's salad. That's the funniest conversation. <laughs> I was eating a salad. Bill, oh my gosh, my coworker. I just, he's, uh, he's so great. He's like, 
probably in his mid fifties and he's just so chill. He, we always talk basketball. That's funny. Um, but anyway, he's one of the funniest people and we were chatting and I was eating lettuce or I was eating a salad from salad and go as you do. Uh, yeah. Uh, salad and go, please sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> I sneezed. And some of it like came Ugh. out of my mouth. And he was like very gracious. He's like, you got a little by your foot. I was like, <laughs> I was like, uh, Gross. salad has got to be one of the worst things to sneeze. Oatmeal or throw up. is another. My sister wants to rip a smoothie and she still can't have smoothies. Oh, I. Uh, can you imagine? Yes, I can. Yeah. You don't <laughs> I like smoothies I don't. either. Well, it, I'll, I'll drink like very specific smoothies, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's um, it's. I'm emerg- obsessed with them. Pat, after you gave me a smoothie once when I was sick, and I've just been like, oh, obsessive yeah. about them. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're whatever makes you happy, refreshing to some people. But yeah, ever since I was little, I have had an aversion to fruit. I think it's the smell. A yeah. lot of it smells rotten to me. That's so interesting. Um, I have a weird phobia about eating things that are expired. expired. You do. The, I was reading a meme. There was like something that went around that said something like, which person are you in the relationship? The one who eats the expired food or the one who throws it away? And I was oh. like, Ooh, I don't believe I mean, there have been so many think pieces and articles and scholarly journals written about the fact that those dates are almost arbitrary. Like they are not smell it. If it smells bad, don't eat it. And I don't I don't mess with like uncooked meat. Yeah. You know, like if it yeah. sits in there for too long, I'm not gonna mess I'm with not, it. But yeah, I'm not trying to be sitting on the toilet. On the turlet. On the turlet. How did we get on this topic? That's what I want to know. We went from children's literature. Listen, this is these are the, <laughs> the important conversation. Um, I can't. There are certain things that I will eat if they're past date. But for me, it's a completely mental thing. If I know it's expired, it's going to be in the back of my mind. and It's going to taste <laughs> off. Um, quick story. Uh, we ordered pizza at work like six months ago. And we're sitting there eating it. And... One of my coworkers wanted to uh, dip his pizza in ranch, and there was some in the the work fridge. And he's like, "Oh, do you want some?" And I'm like, "I don't, I don't know. That bottle of ranch was two years expired. <laughs> That's I'm literally like your worst nightmare. For it to be blue, look like blue cheese. I Ugh. was like almost ready to. But puke. here's the thing: they put so many preservatives in that shit. I mean, they just they make it invincible so that you can eat it. Yeah. Even if it's expired. Yeah, I don't know. I but have, I also don't trust that. I've like had if it's a, a few dairy thing. coffee creamer issues, incidents, mm. inc- incidences, and I don't know. I'm like, you're like, I don't trust this. I'm not gonna risk it. I'll, uh, uh, uh-uh, absolutely not. I, I'm always like, Paige, we should do the amazing race, but you would have to be the full time eater. Ugh, I don't like, want to eat bugs. Mm. don't they eat a lot of bugs on the amazing race and like cow balls Ugh. I, mean, I don't think that's our passion that's been evidenced by much of your life <laughs> indeed um okay well anyway else please go out and read the great green room yes. about margaret wise brown it was great the audiobook was great and that dorinda jones sunshine vikram book was awesome so. and if you're feeling inspired Donate to the Trevor Project. Mm. Uh, Happy Pride, everybody. Happy Pride. Thank you for listening. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, 
all of the places. Anyway. Yeah. Yep. Talk to you later. Bye, Hobgoblins. Bye.